talking about who wants a do-over. You guys ever want a do-over with things? Yeah. I see, I see some hands going up. And I think of um, the movie Groundhog Day, where the guy like kept doing the day over again until like it finally got it right. The whole movie is like one day over and over again. And in our lives, we, we want do-overs. Why do we want do-overs sometimes? Because we've messed up somehow. There's been something in front of us, some kind of opportunity in front of us that was set before us, and somehow it didn't go the way that we wanted it to go. And it could be like a short-term, temporary thing that's, you know, whether it's Somebody missed the field goal. We're not bitter about any of those things. Or, you know, I should have I should have gotten that dress that was on sale and now it's gone. Little things like that. But maybe it's it's something bigger. Maybe you get a diagnosis. And maybe you start thinking about a decade or possibly even a lifetime that you wish was different. And so we're going to just do a little inventory today, for lack of a better term, at the end of the one year and going into the next year. I want to do a little inventory. Because Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, tell us to be very careful. Be very careful, Paul says. Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Paul here is exhorting the Christians, the, the Ephesian church, to live wisely. How many of you think that's good advice? Live wisely. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And here's the admonition that he gives. Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. The days are evil. In the time in which we live, the days are evil. And because of that, Paul exhorts us to make the most of the opportunities that we have in front of us so that we can live wise. That's a good word. That's a very good word. Especially as everybody thinks about going into the new year, January 1st, since, well, maybe not January 1st because everybody will still be eating, but January 2nd, the gym will be packed. Right? What will it look like February 1st? It might be a little bit more empty, myself included. We'll see. But an opportunity is an event or a moment at which actions of importance or significance can be achieved. And how many of you know that the big things are really the little things, just over time? The little things are the big things. When they, when they add up. So an opportunity is an event or a moment at which actions of importance or significance can be achieved. But how many of you know that we're human, so we do mess up? 
And I appreciated the word Pastor Nate gave about new birth. About getting up and trying again. Because Peter is one of those people, to me, who needed a do-over. The Apostle Peter. He's one of those people who had some really, really great moments in the Bible. Great moments. But his failures are also noted. And fail he did. Peter had faith to walk on the water. That's a moment. That's an opportunity. Now he got his eyes off of Jesus and he started sinking, but he had faith and no one else did. He had faith to walk on the water. But then he goes on to deny even knowing Jesus. And not once, but three times. To deny even knowing him. And Matthew tells us that when that happened, that he went out and wept bitterly. That's quite a description for how someone cries. He wept bitterly. So you know that he felt bad and he, he had great remorse and he knew that he had failed and his heart was broken. But then comes the Holy Spirit into his life. And here comes the day of Pentecost. And the disciples and the, and the people in the upper room are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 4 tells us that Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, that's the difference in his life. I've got to find Acts 4 here. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit. And for four or five verses, he gives this great witness. Let me read it to you. Rulers and elders of the people, because they had just healed someone in the Sanhedrin. If we are being called to account today, they were getting in trouble for healing someone. And so the Sanhedrin brought Peter and John before them because they wanted to intimidate him. So here's Peter. He couldn't even say that he knew Jesus to one person. And now here he is standing up to this situation that probably in human standards should be intimidating. And what does he do? He speaks, full of the Holy Spirit. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and if you're asking us how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel. Sounds like something good's coming. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. That is a witness, ladies and gentlemen. 
Forget not knowing who Jesus Christ is denying that to a slave girl or a soldier or whoever else it was. Here he is standing up before all the religious leaders in the crowd that is gathered because he's just healed somebody. And he's saying, it is because of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And Peter goes on to say, Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no under other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a do-over. And that is making the most of the opportunity that is in front of him. And I love how God redeems those things, how he can do that. And what does it say in the very next verse? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. Suddenly, Peter's courage is noteworthy. Suddenly, Peter's courage is astonishing to people. How did that change? Why did that change? Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference in his life. He had an open door and he took it. One of my personal prayers in my life, when I don't know how to pray, because I'm always, are you ever afraid that like, what if I don't pray the will of God? God, what if I pray something out of your will? So many times I pray, Lord, open the doors that you want open and close the doors you want closed. Because I'll say, God, I don't know what you want me to do. God, what is the right thing in my life? God, open the doors. I'm going to knock. And you open the doors that you want open. You close the doors that you want closed. But then I have to have a part B to that prayer. Because the part B to that prayer is, once the doors are open, God, you've got to give me the courage to walk through them. Because open doors can be very scary. Has anyone, is that just me that experiences that, or is that just me? Okay, I see a couple hands. Open doors can be very scary. And open doors can come in the form of maybe life decisions that you've charted out. Okay, I'm going to, you know, do this, and then, you know, when this happens, then we'll buy a house, or we'll, you know, get this job, or we'll do whatever life decision that there is. It can be something that's charted out and planned. A one-year plan, a two-year plan, a 10-year plan, whatever it is. But it can also be spontaneous things that pop up, the doors open. And whatever it is, I have learned in my life, and I've realized that I just have come to the conclusion that essentially I need to learn how to better move with the Spirit, especially in the spontaneous things. I'm one of those persons that if it's planned out, I can chart the course a lot better 
than if it's a spontaneous, maybe spont spontaneity, like some spontaneous people are just really great, like boom, they see it and, all right, let's go for it, let's do it. I have a little harder time with spon spontaneity and I always jokingly say, but it's, it's kind of true actually, that I'm okay being spontaneous as long as I've planned for it. Like, does that make any sense? But it makes sense to me. So, but I need to better move with the spirit especially in those moments that just kind of pop up, that, that appear out of, no, and suddenly there's this opportunity that's before you, and do you seize it? And there's, a, there's actually a situation that happened to me recently in my life that I really would like a do-over. We were at, um, we went to the women's retreat last month in November um, in Hershey Lodge. And there were several of us that went, and um, Tiffany, who is Miss Pennsylvania, had a, um, a portion of the Friday evening service, and she shared her story and her testimony and ministered in the Friday evening service. And so um, there were several, several of us with her in that Friday evening. She shared in the service, and she took pictures with everybody. She was so gracious with everyone that wanted pictures for as long as they wanted. And, and then afterwards, we were hungry, and we went and got a burger and things like that. So we were walking back to our room, and um, it, was, it was probably about 1230 at night. It was very late. And we're walking through the lobby. There's this big lobby, and it has this fireplace, and it's all warm and everything. And, and this lady comes walking through in um, some Charlie Brown pajamas, which were very cute, by the way. I got my own pair. And in fact, I was going to wear them today as an object lesson for my do-over, but I decided against wearing pajamas to church to preach in. I don't know. My husband kind of helped me through that one. Um, but anyway, there's Charlie Brown pajamas, and they're really cute. But this lady was like a little drunk. She wasn't part of the women's conference. I was glad to find that out. But she was there celebrating her son's birthday. And she was a little drunk. And she recognized Tiffany because Tiffany um, had been to her son's school in Hershey a couple times to share. And so she recognized Tiffany. And she came over and started talking to her. And it was actually really kind of hilarious. We were all like kind of cracking up at it because it was so funny listening to this lady talk to Tiffany and she was, she was very nice but she was just a little tipsy and she, but she's saying things like and Tiffany was so gracious to her and she's saying things like all these ladies here all these women are so strong how do they get like that and she's asking questions like that and we're saying nothing about the Lord because I'm thinking, well, she's drunk. It's, you know, whatever. And so we had this, we, we, she, she sat there and talked to us for probably, what, 20, 25 minutes? Seemed like longer. And we went on our way. And, the, and there's something in my heart that I was like, you know, why did I not share the Lord with that lady? But I thought, well, that's just me. And then the next day at lunch, of course, then the pastor's wife had to say the same thing. Why did we not share Jesus with that lady last night? And then I was like, oh, that wasn't just me thinking that. That must have been the Lord correcting me. I missed an opportunity. And you know what? When she was there saying things, asking us how all the women at this conference were so strong and how they're so this and so that and, you know, asking questions and I didn't say anything. 
I was caught up in the moment of thinking that this lady is very entertaining and thinking it was a funny situation, then I realized I really missed an opportunity to share the Lord with her. And I realized as I've been reflecting on it, that's still really kind of gnawing at me. And then I got a pair of those pajamas, and now when I wear them, I think of that lady too. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because it reminds me that I need to better move with the Spirit. It reminds me that, man, if an opportunity like that presents itself to me again, I need to make sure that I'm full of the Holy Spirit and that I can say, hey, let me tell you why these women are so strong. Let me tell you a little bit about that. And there may be situations that you have in your life, whether they're spiritual things or whether they're things in your day-to-day -day life that maybe you need a do-over of some sort. Because here's the thing. We all have purpose and opportunity ties into purpose. Proverbs chapter 19 tells us, but many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that prevails. God's purpose is going to prevail in spite of our agendas, in spite of the things we have, it's God's purpose that prevails in our life. And so as we do a little inventory today, I want to ask you, what is the purpose of God for your life? I want you to think about some of these things as you go through your quiet time this week. Because it's New Year, so I know everybody's going to say, yeah, I'm going to have a better quiet time starting the new year. So as you go through your quiet time this week, hint, hint, what is the purpose of God for your life? Is it just to amass money and then die? No. It's part of, that's part of what we do. But behind that, there has to be purpose. My children were created in my womb, and the Bible tells me that God had a purpose for them. Everyone sitting here today, God has a purpose for your life. And you may not quite know what it is right now, and you may be confused about what it is right now, and maybe you're questioning, God, what is, what is my purpose? What do you have for me? But do not let the enemy lie to you and make you think that you don't have one just because you're not sure what it is. You have a purpose. And God wants you to discover it. So I want to ask you, what is your purpose? Can you say it in about 12 to 15 words? Because if it's not that simple for you to repeat, no. You probably aren't quite sure what it is, and then it wouldn't be surprising that you don't quite know what you're doing with your life. My purpose in life is to help people mature in their faith. 
That's what I like to do. I want to help people mature in their faith, and that can take on a lot of different things. I want to help them grow the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. I want to call people to their calling, especially young women that feel a call to ministry. I want to call them into their calling. I want to do that through discipleship. I want to do that through, through coaching, through a prophetic word. And a prophetic word really is just, it's meant for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. You can say, oh, I'm not, I, I can't give a prophetic word. That gets really, that sounds really intimidating. But really, a prophetic word is strengthening people, encouraging people, comforting people. If you can do those things, you can give someone a prophetic word. It's not about standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord, and let me tell you everything you're doing wrong. That is not a prophetic word. That's not what the Bible says. But I like to help people create order to find wholeness and healing in their life and mature their, in their faith that they can be all that they can be. I want to help people mature in their faith. That is my purpose. And that helps guide the decisions I make and, and the things that I participate in. So that's the first question I want you to ponder this week. What is your purpose? And write it down. Figure it out. God will show you. Next question I want to ask you is, what would you do more of? You had a do-over. What would you do more of? And what would you do less of? Those are some questions to ponder. There's some powerful questions. Those are some coaching questions. And let people Thanks. So I'm, I'm going to, I've compiled a little list. And I want to share some of my list with you. That's kind of why I wanted to sit down. I thought, you know, I'm just going to kind of share my heart today. And then I thought, too, if I sit at this chair, I'll probably be taller than I am standing up. That works, too. So, oh my goodness, sorry, sorry, I about spilled my tea. But I've compiled a little list of some things that I would do a little bit more of and a little bit less of. And so if these things resonate with you, fine. And if they don't, Fine, but it, maybe they will spur you on to help you think of some things. First of all, if I, what I want to do more of and less of is I would like to complain less and be more grateful. And part of me, I'm a little scared to do this, but part of me would like to just implement this rule that every time that you complain, you must be thankful for three things. I'm a little scared. I haven't talked about that at home with my family yet because I'll probably do a lot of talking. <laughs> right? But complain less and be more grateful. It's a good one. Another thing that I would do more of is to pray more and worry less. I've heard it say, why pray when you can worry? Is anybody here like that? We can relate to that. Why pray when you can worry? One of my life verses is Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. they got gratefulness even in that one. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the power of prayer. Power of prayer is not about getting God to do what you want him to do because he may have very different plans than you. 
power of prayer is about making your needs known to God. Just like we did today when Pastor Nate said, lay them at the foot of the cross. You lay your, you lay your needs down and you say, God, give me that peace. And you give it to him and you, and you work at solving your problems, but you give it to him. You give it to him. And in that, you know, sometimes we think about, oh, you need to go big or go home. I would actually advocate that we need to go small. Because sometimes we're so worried about changing the world tomorrow that we forget to make a difference today. So if we all said, Let's, how, Lord, how can I make a difference today? Like I said before, those little things can become big things. Another thing I would do more is listen more and talk less. I also stood on, sat on this chair so I don't just step on my own toes. But here's what I have found out through lots of conversations with people and listening. People are more created and capable than they realize, than I realize, than they realize. And so as I ask powerful questions, people, you'll be surprised at the things that come out of them and that the insights they can have and the wisdom that can come out of people. And as I am curious in conversation with people, that curiosity drives me to be more compassionate, which sometimes I struggle with, because I understand where people are coming from. And so as I listen more, you can hear people's hearts, their hurts, their fears, their joys, where they are. And when I talk, I think I need to talk more Jesus than myself. And again, I think of my do-over that I'm looking for at Hershey. Talk more Jesus. Another thing I'd like to do more is to affirm more and criticize less. It's really easy to criticize, isn't it? And sometimes I ration my affirmation, like true confession day here, right? Don't ration your affirmation. What does a little child do? Is look, Mama, look, Papa. What are they doing when they say, look, Mommy? They're looking for applause. They want affirmation. They want grace. They want mercy. People respond well to grace. People respond well to mercy. And how many of you know that Jesus gives us grace even when we are jerks, right? So how do we grow in grace? That's, to me, that's all kind of tied in with, with listening more, well, affirming, affirming more. It's easier, with the, with the criticism too, it's easy to point out what's wrong with things. You guys ever seen the commercial like the security monitor? You know, all they do is tell everybody what's wrong, but they don't do anything about it. Have you seen that commercial? No? Okay, sorry. There's like, there's, there's this, security guard at the bank, and then this, like, you know, robber comes or whatever, whatever, and then the security monitor just says, like, oh, there's a robber. Aren't you going to do anything about it? He goes, no, I'm just a security monitor. I just, you know, I monitor it. Okay. 
<coughs> I can't even remember what's the commercial for. But it's easy to just be like, well, I can tell you what's wrong, but I'm not going to do anything about it. No. Let's affirm more and criticize less, and that's, that's for myself. So as, as we think about better moving with the Spirit, all of those things, whether, you know, that li the list can be endless. I just kind of compiled a list this week and some things that were on my heart, and the Lord may give you a completely different list of what would you like to do more and what would you like to do less. I'm just kind of sharing my heart here. But for me, let's better move with the Spirit. Because someday, I would love for people to read or for people to say, just like Peter said, then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, he stood up and gave witness. I would love to hear, to read, then Lorna, full of the Holy Spirit, said, and then it's a great witness for Christ. It's God redeeming those things. See, Peter's tongue was the problem. He couldn't stand up for Christ. And Christ redeemed it, and then suddenly that was his strength. And he was using it in a powerful way. And for you, it might not be your words. There may be something else that Christ needs to redeem. But I give you Peter as an example of here's where he failed and taking opportunity that the Lord gave him and hitting it out of the ballpark. And the Holy Spirit is what made the difference in his life for the opportunities. And as we close today, we're going to sing Build My Life one more time. Because I want to remind you of what Ephesians chapter 5 says. Be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity every opportunity because the days are evil. So as you go home today, you know how sometimes like at 6 o'clock at night you're like, what did the pastor preach about? And you're like, I have no idea. I can't remember. It happens. I hope that you are not forgetting these questions, but that the Holy Spirit can bring you awareness in your life. What is your purpose? What is God's purpose for you? And that can be as varied as the day is long, but figure out what it is. As you go through your new year, what would you do more of? What would you do less of? Because I do know this. God loves you. And he has plans to prosper you. And plans to give you a hope. 
and plans to give you a future.